0: Welcome in to episode number 293 of the allegedly award-nominated, honorably mentioned, number nine NCAA ranked Outside the Box podcast, the official lacrosse podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. It's KB, it's Deej coming at you. It's championship weekend in the PLL. As John Morant once said, it's a parade inside our city. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the pll the city of champions they are here and your bo- your boy might have gotten featured on the pll instagram so uh we'll talk about that we'll talk about the championship game we'll give our final pick of the 2023 pll season hashtag sad boy hours um we'll get into the latest with the nll um apparently announcing some big announcement on Tuesday that we don't know what it is. Uh, we'll also talk about the rush rebrand. We'll go through some of the games that have already been announced. Plus we have a Squire sixes because it is Philadelphia weekend in the PLL. Uh, so we gotta, we gotta go full on Philly vibes and. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Just got text. Um,
1: I was like, did he just pause? (laughs) His whole (laughs) life (laughs) just paused.
0: We'll get into all that. But before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at OTB Lax Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash underground sports PHI, TikTok, threads, all at OTB Lax Pod. Follow Deej on Twitter at scs underscore next great follow me at KBIZZL l311 subscribe to the podcast feed on apple spotify wherever you get your podcasts leave a five-star rating and review it goes a long way for helping the show continue to grow helps more people find the pod helps more people find underground sports philadelphia and subscribe to the underground sports philadelphia youtube channel youtube.com at underground sports philadelphia where you get full video episodes of this show every single week. You get full video episodes of every show on our network, clips, shorts, live streams, you name it. It's on our YouTube channel. And we need to get to 51 more subscribers before Sunday comes to a close. Deej, state your case. Plead with the people.
1: Bro, I already told you. I ain't got a case. I'm just man on the ground boots on the ground running around almost forcing people to do it right there in my face that's that's just the easier way to do it like I'm personable people like me so I'm gonna just be like yo what up ask them about the game ask them about their time there you know build a very small relationship and just be like look you can't always make it to games I make it to a ton of them Sometimes you need a little insight. I'm your guy. All you got to do is hit the subscribe button right here, Underground Sports Philadelphia, or you know, just go to youtube.com/slash/at Underground Sports Philadelphia. Boom, there it go, right there for you. But hey, you know, I can't uh, can't stress enough how important those those subs are.
0: Yeah, so go subscribe so DJ doesn't get sent back to Alaska uh, when he's got a big-time day on Monday at the day job. Um, Also, go get your merch, phiapparel.co. You want to stand out in the crowd. You want to be the best dressed. It's your favorite NLL weekend, PLL weekend, next season, or just lacrosse in general. Need a shooting shirt, hoodie season's right around the corner. Look no further than our pals at PHI Apparel Company. They're the best in the game, and they are the exclusive merch partner of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Go to PHIapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND. You get 10% off any and all merch orders. It's the most effective and direct way to support everything we're doing. So go get your merch, and when you get it, tag us, tweet at us. We want to see where you're rocking your merch from. We'll retweet it. We'll repost it phiapparel.co, code underground, 10% off any and all merch orders. Deej, what the heck is popping, brother? It is Philly weekend. It's, it's, a, it's always a double-edged sword when Philly rolls around because you know it's going to be absolute scenes, but you know it's the end of the season, and it's always a sad time when the end of the PLL season is rolling around.
1: Dude, I brought this up uh, not last week, obviously, but the week before when I was out. Long Island, when we were headed to the airport, I was like, dude, like next time I do this is there's, there's a long gap in between coming back and hoping to make that gap a little bit shorter. Cause I need to do, I do need to get into Wells Fargo and, and see a wings game, maybe see, see a Sixers game while I'm at it too, something like that. But nonetheless, like this weekend is always so bittersweet because We have such an amazing time at the game and and hanging out for for our last time of the the summer together. But then that plane ride home where I'm absolutely exhausted is is probably one of the best. because I do go straight to sleep, but it's also, like, so fulfilling. Like, man, I had a great summer with the homie doing something we love, watching some amazing lacrosse, and, like, that was the best way to cap it off. I want to do that again. Summer needs to be here right now. (laughs) <laughs> bring me my
0: sunshine. It's like the end of a Pokemon season when Ash, Misty, and Brock just go their separate ways at the end, and it's like, when's the new season coming back?
1: I get to be Ash, right?
0: What does that make me? Misty? Boy, if you don't get your <laughs> ass.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying it. We, we 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 both know here that I'm the personality they come for, so it, it right. would make so sense. that would make you Pikachu effectively. That's fine. I'll
0: be Pikachu. That's the personality that everybody comes for. I'll be Pikachu, I'm fine.
1: Pikachu. <laughs> He's lit, bro. What? I play way too much Smash Bros. in my free time. <laughs>
0: It is Philadelphia weekend, and uh, it's going to be a doozy. As of this recording, we're recording this portion of the pod for the first time, simply because our schedules are boncos collectively. No guests going into championship week. But you'll for know not. if that changes by the time the pod comes out. Um, it's just crazy. Crazy scheduling-wise to... Be able to book it with my broadcast schedule, Deej's broadcast schedule, and work schedule. But don't worry. It's not like we don't want guests on the show. It's just a matter of having the time to do it. And if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, if you buy your merch, we can make more time to do that and get out of our day jobs. Um, so go do that. Um, but we've got, <laughs> we've got a hell of a championship game on deck uh, on Sunday water dogs archers part three both games were one goal games we kind of talked about it a little bit on last week's episode which if you missed that go check that out as well it's a great preview and almost kind of like our guests where we had both Zach Carey and Wyatt Miller on the beat writers for each team diving into to both teams respectively and um I don't know about you Deej but it feels like we could be poised for arguably like Best championship game since 2019 in terms of just like energy, the vibe of both teams. Where 2019 we also got overtime and like it's not that 2020's championship game was bad. 2021 was not bad either because that had a storyline to itself, and last year was great too. But just the talent and the way that both of these two teams have played, it truly does feel like we have the two best teams in the PLL duking it out for a championship
1: this might be one of the best championship games we've seen in all of lacrosse, all of professional lacrosse. Cause we've seen some phenomenal ones at the college level, um, phenomenal ones at the world level, but this might be one of the best championship games we've seen at the pro level. It's going to be insane. The <clears throat> we're, t- we're putting <clears throat> the two most efficient offenses against arguably the the two best defenses and goalies in the league this year with two very opposite middle of the field strategies that have worked. It's so weird how the archers only push off of the faceoff. They don't push transition a ton. It's really kind of only off the face off. If they get something and they're clear, they'll take the shot if they have the odd number but they don't push the fast break. They only do it quickly off the face-off because they have to with the 32-second shot clock. They prefer to just manage the middle of the field, take their time, get their personnel on for both sides so that they can play the game they want to play in the half field. Whereas, which goes into having Sisselberger at the X and the way that they handle the X there, and then you look at the opposite side, conceding the face-off more times than not, going super fast in in the fast break, whether they win the faceoff or not, always looking to push in the clear. They're they're so drastically different in the middle of the field. In the middle of the field is is where you win the game. I'll tell you that 10 times over. Middle of the field is where you win the game. Where the most ground balls happen, that's where the most hustle is required. Other than that, the goalies are going to help, obviously, special teams. But to have such drastic differences in the way that they approach the middle of the field only means blockbuster only means blockbuster because one of these teams is going to end up controlling the pace of the game. So the other is going to have to play that style of the middle of the field that that other team wants to play. And that's where some things are going to get interesting. And I have a feeling that we're weirdly going to get one of those games where it's both where off the face-off, it's going to be fast for the archers. The archers are going to go quick. Waterdogs will take it quickly if not, but they also aren't comfortable with only taking off the LSM and putting on one midfielder and running with the two that they have out. So they'll also kind of take that part slow. But the fast break is going to be fast if the Waterdogs want it to be. So we may have a weird position where it's back and forth where both teams are kind of going to be able to control the tempo of the game, and at certain points, it's going to be slow in the middle of the field, and at other points, it's going to be extremely fast.
0: And if I'm remembering correctly, which I know the Dallas matchup of this that the Archers ended up winning, 1918, um, it was different. But I want to pull up who led the Water Dogs in uh face-offs in salt lake city because obviously with the playoffs things have certainly changed yeah so that game um that the water dogs won the final week of the regular season that was when it felt like cope was like all right let's test some things out at the stripe and that's when zach courier started getting a little bit more burn that wasn't the case in dallas and since that game, we've seen Zach Courier be this kind of like unicorn X factor for the Water Dogs. that like if he's out there and starts winning a, a couple of faceoffs in a row, like it changes momentum for the Water Dogs and it lets them set up their offense quicker. Like you said, I'm intrigued to see how that matchup goes between Courier and Sisselberger at this particular matchup, like at this point in the season, because it is something that Sis wasn't like fully prepared for. In Dallas, obviously, because it didn't happen. And then Eli was still at the stripe, took a majority of the faceoffs uh, in Salt Lake City. So that is definitely something to keep an eye on, in my opinion, because it is a different dynamic. Uh, because Courier can win faceoffs, he can score off of faceoffs, and he can set this Water Dogs offense up for
1: success. You know, the other scary thing about that, though, is is so diverse as a player that they could choose to not put him on a single face off but put him on the wing and lock off everywhere and just let go Brick have at it with sis and make it a Mm one-on-one so like there's so many things you can do with Kyrie there's no disguising it when it comes to it when if you're outside of the attack lineup for the water dogs the most key person in this game is that courier not because you don't know what you're going to get out of him. Not because you know exactly what you're going to get out of Dylan Ward, but because when courier is on, this team is unreal. I E two weekends, two weeks ago when we're in uh, Long Island, that team could not be stopped. It didn't matter what lacrosse team you put out there against those water dogs, them playing like that was not going to be stopped because of the way Courier was playing. 12 for 17 from the stripe, four points. You're never gonna be the Water Dogs team when you have Courier playing at that moment or or at that at that stature. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing is what Zach Courier is going to show up. Are you gonna get, or I shouldn't say what Zach Curryer is gonna show up, what Zach Curry is going to be allowed to be present by the archers defense. If they're going to let him get a couple points and he gets a couple early, strap it up big time. If you're an archers fan, because the bows might be going down. It's going to be a tough game. If this guy gets going early, but also they got to pay attention to how much he gets moved around and all the different things that cope might decide to do with him because he is that dynamic of a player and they do need him to be on. So they may not keep him in one position that isn't necessarily working.
0: And I think the other X factors, obviously the injury report finally came out and Connor Fields is doubtful for the championship game, shoulder separation. I know that feeling, not to the fullest extent, but somebody who's had shoulder issues in the past, I feel for Connor Fields big time. Um, And there's proof to everybody who thought it was a hit to the head. It was clearly his shoulder. Um, which we saw from the press box because he did reach out and i've been there before too reaching out to to make sure it's not dislocated and um that's a huge loss for the archers you know doubtful short does it leave the door open yes but i think we'd all be kind of surprised if connor fields is out there especially seeing the way that he he reacted to that hit and you know a shoulder separation when you're a shooter of his caliber is not the easiest thing to bounce back from in such a short, allotted amount of time. So I'm fully expecting Fieldsy to not be available, even though the doubtful tag is still there and leaves a little window open. But if you're an Archers fan, you got to anticipate Connor Fields is not playing. That's 39 points of production off the board for the Archers. So now you're going to have to have other people step up, and not that they don't have the ability to have those guys step up, but. It does suck that, you know, going into, you know, the playoffs, you lose Latrell Harris. Now you lose Connor Fields, like two very big time contributors for this team this season. Fields, he led the team in points, led the team in one point goals, led the team in shots. He was such a huge factor for this Archer's offense. And now you remove that. And he's a guy that was in both of the games previously when these two teams played. So now the water dogs can kind of use their defense on other pieces and hyper focus on other guys and not have to worry about a Connor Fields being on the field.
1: I wish I could say that was true. This Archer's team is so loaded.
0: For sure. We know
1: we know for sure that they're gonna move Grant Amet back down there, which I absolutely love because you're putting him back with his college linemate mate and Mac O'Keefe. they I mean, I don't bet, but whatever the prop lines for are for those two for points. I'd, I'd probably be hitting the over them playing together on the same line is dynamic and they're playing, you know, back in Philly. I know that Penn state isn't necessarily in Philly, but it's, it's close enough. Philly adjacent. It's close enough. And they weren't able to get the job done in, in the blue and white. They they were not able to get the job done. Do you want the point totals for state. both of them?
0: I do. So the number is the same, just the odds are different. They're both, uh, the line is three and a half. Grant A-Met over three and a over plus 150, minus 200 for under three and a half. And then Mac is minus 145 for over three and a half and under plus 105. I did see a good stat. um, If you are somebody who bets, not that we're a full send, you know, gambling podcast, but you know, we, we look at these because it helps us make our picks and stuff like that. And um, I want to pull this up because it is a fascinating statistic on Mac O'Keefe. Um, so Brandon Biagi, he does a lot of stuff for Bet on Lacrosse, Pro Lacrosse Talk. Shout out to the boys. Um, He's betting the under three and a half for Mac O'Keefe at plus 105. It's plus money to not score four in a championship game at almost a pick'em line. He's only hit this in five out of twelve games this season. And for comparison, that those lines are on DraftKings, not not a sponsor. Uh, FanDuel, not a sponsor, has it at minus one fifty, which is more appropriate, fair value plus, uh, you know, just shopping lines and everything. It is a good stat to pay attention to. Less than fifty percent of the time, Mac O'Keefe's scoring four points in a game and a championship game as well. Granted like, he has the experience in a championship game, but the the pressure of a championship game plays into it and we know in any sport that even if you've been there before, it, it is such a different feel and players
1: can perform differently than what you've seen them at. I think he I think he goes in a little more loose and I think he has more opportunity to hit that that three and that, that four because those other 12 games or those other 10 games, 12, 12, games. Yeah. Those other 12 games, he's had Connor fields on the field, which any way you want to cut it, but it should actually it should, be five out of 11 because they had the bye week. Yeah. Either way you want to cut it fields is going to take some of that production, whether it's one point. Cause I mean, how many of those six games where he didn't hit, did he have three points? You know what I'm saying? Uh, probably a good Stand handful by. of those. Cause it's it's like for every one that Connor Fields takes, it's probably one away from Mac. And there's no guarantee that Mac didn't assist on some of Connor Fields as well. So I, I so like
0: Mac, Mac had over three and a half points, week two against Chrome, week four against the Whip Snakes, week five against the Redwoods. Uh all of those were four points. Um and then did it again against Chrome in August and against Whip Snakes uh in August as well. The two games against the Water Dogs uh in Dallas he had 3
1: and in Salt Lake he had 2. So one game for sure with 3. I can't imagine. Well, there's a couple others he had 3 points in.
0: Uh week 1 against the Cannons and in Baltimore against Atlas.
1: So what's that, two games out of the year that he had less than three points?
0: Uh, Yes, week three against Chaos in Ohio, and then Salt Lake. And he had two, he had two in
1: both of those, right? Or did he yeah, just have one? In both yeah. of
0: the less than three.
1: I don't see how you take Connor Fields away from this guy and say he isn't going to hit four points, championship game or not if anybody's going to make up on the shooting side of things, it's him and Trey LeClaire, most likely Trey LeClaire has got a laser of a shot. And if they put him down at attack, that's going to make it tough for the defense as well. So I I would love to say that this, they they have it somewhat easier because taking a guy like Connor fields off the field is arguably going to make things easier because he's such a dynamic player, but the guys they have fill in that spot and, and, the way it's a literal carousel with the offense is crazy. It, it's a literal next guy up mentality. And sure, they're not Connor fields, but they're they're pretty close. Do you think this game hits the over? What's the over? The
0: over for this weekend is 25 and a half is the line. So 26 would be over where the last three times these teams have played. Obviously, Salt Lake. 27 was the total combined uh we had the 37 <laughs> in dallas and then uh august 20th week 11 of 2022 uh these teams combined for 28 points
1: uh um
0: so every single time it's at sh- the over of what this weekend's overline is the last three
1: matchups The last three, I thought there was one earlier this year where it was only like
0: it was the last three matchups were 14 13 Dogs in Salt Lake, which is 27, yeah. uh, 19 18 Archers in July in Dallas, mm-hmm. and then 16 12 Archers in week 11 of 2022.
1: Probably, honestly
0: which would be nuts because typically like the championship games don't go over cuz in 2019 what was that final score? So uh, 12-11 in overtime, so it's 23 total points. Um 2020 was 126 so i was 18 um 2021 was to so 23 and then last year was 11-9 water dogs. So every single championship has been under what this weekend's over under line
1: is. I know, which is fascinating. that's the weird. Yeah, it's it's, it's so weird cuz like these two teams are so dynamic offensively that you like expected to hit but then you talked about you know the feeling and pressures of a championship game and kind of what that does to you so like it could very well be under
0: i think the other interesting matchup in this is the goalies because dylan ward has that championship experience has won championships Yes, plural. Uh, over the last couple of years, both indoor and outdoor, um, and Brett Dobson's competing for his first professional championship. I'm curious to see how Dauber performs. Not that I'm like doubting that he'll have a great game, but I am intrigued to see the like you mentioned with Mac, like the the calmness that he could have, knowing the experience he's had because he's played in the championship. Every year he's been in a league in the PLL. I'm wondering how Dobber's going to react as a first time championship experience for him versus Dylan Ward, who's been there, has won at this stadium. It's gonna be interesting to watch the goalie dynamic.
1: Um Weirdly, I feel like both him and both him and Sis are gonna be like might be the best parts of the day for the Archers Um it's kind of they kind of know that like they were the missing pieces kind of at this point like it's been brought up to them by you know us and, and other members of the media It's it's been mentioned on, on socials and such that like the Archers final steps were finding their next goalie that wasn't Adam, Adam Gittleman and getting in a I don't want to say competent but getting a face-off guy that was going to help them progress in the way that they were moving forward they seem to have done those two things with these moves so I, they kind of get the idea that they need to be on that kind of a game and sometimes knowing exactly what you need and and hearing those kind of things makes you step up to the plate and like if there were two young guys in the league that were going to step up to that kind of plate after hearing certain things, it would, those two would be at the top of the list for me, for sure. So that's kind of why I think the two of them would be okay. Is they understand how much they mean to the team, not only just their position wise, but just team history in the league and how close they've been, but kind of just didn't have those two parts. So, I'm interested to see if they're like you. Yeah. I'm pretty much interested to see how they react, but like, I feel like it'll be a good reaction from both. Cause I, I would be seriously stunned if they kind of came out bright eyed, bushy tailed.
0: Yeah. And I mean, for the archers too. like outside of Mac O'Keefe and Challen Rogers, who, you know, have been on this stage. There's a lot of these guys playing in a pro field lacrosse championship game for the very first time in their careers. Um, you know Tom Schreiber has obviously done it in the MLL as well, but a lot of these guys getting their first crack at it Where outside of Jake Carraway and the rookies, this entire Waterdogs team was at this exact stage last year, including the coaching staff. And I think that's a huge contributing factor in this matchup is just the experience as a collective. Sure, you can have individual championship experience and it can take you a long way. I mean, most recently in my personal experience look at the Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series last year they've brought in a bunch of guys who through free agency built the team brought in guys you know that got called up naturally they go on this magical run last year and come two wins away from winning a World Series against a team in the Houston Astros who say what you want about them sure they cheated yes But there's guys on that team who have been together for years upon years, have been on the World Series stage multiple times together and knew how to get the job done and collectively play as a team and win on a championship stage. I think that is a huge factor in terms of just preparation and knowing what to expect from a championship game where the Archers are kind of coming in cold as a collective unit
1: uh, in a championship stage. I mean, like I said, some people kind of, like, step up to that play and others don't, Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the biggest thing is can the archers kind of come in as that never been here before a team that people are counting out and just make it happen, or will the water dogs simply just be too much?
0: Yeah. Um, I think the other part of this, and we talked about this with Wyatt, is just watching how the big three from the water dogs execute in their uh, their calling time is it going to be first quarter Michael Sowers second portion of the game Ethan Walker and then fourth quarter Kieran or will it be collectively spread around and then how does that archer's defense which has been stellar all year between Graham Warren Jeffrey and Matt McMahon step up to kind of defend those guys along with whoever Andy Copeland decides to, you know, throw at them out of the box from Jack Hanna to Jake Caraway, uh, McConvey in the mix. You know, it's going to be an interesting tactic. And you know, Andy Towers talked about this last year and in 2021, where he chose to play veterans in the championship game. Worked obviously in 2021, last year not so much, but they still played well. I'm curious if that plays a factor for cope in determining whether or not Jake Caraway plays or Thomas McConvey plays.
1: I don't, I think it's just going to be a feeling thing. Like cope's going to be like this lineup feels right. So this is what I'm going to go with. Like, or he I don't even Brian think... Brown out of retirement. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, <laughs> you let me know how that go, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think there's really, and I almost want to lean toward McConvey just because of how good of a season Walker's had, and he's probably going to start attack, so like, can Caraway come out of the mid? Yeah, but it's just like not as effective out of the mid, so I'd probably lean toward McConvey.
0: In your opinion, what do the archers have to do to win on Sunday? What's like the big thing that stands out to you?
1: Score early. Score early and often. Like they they can't let any opportunity go early. Like he like classic, Dylan Ward's classic goalie. Like the earlier you get to him, the better. Once you let him warm up, you're toast. If you let him get any kind of saves and he starts seeing the ball you're there's going to be shots that you feel in your bones are going to be a goal and he's like no cuz he's just too locked in so they have to get to him early and often and then you you got to do something with Sowers um same thing like he, he you got to let him know it's going to be a rough day early hard checks as soon as he's catching the ball another check you know a second after he lets it go Put him on the ground every time he comes inside the crease. Like, you gotta make his day long or he'll make yours long. And and then of course, courier. Like, obviously you can't stop him, but slow him down. Slow him down. Make it make it rough for him to go both ways. Make it rough for him at the stripe. Make sure when he gets shots off that there's some pressure there. Those two guys have to have a rough day. Um on the offensive end if, if the archers want to get it done and they got to score early and got to score often.
0: Yeah. I think the big things for me with the archers is like you mentioned, seeing how Dobson and sis perform on this championship stage and, and have their nerves in check because there's going to be nerves there. That's just normal human behavior. Um, It's going to be, I, I think very determined on Mac O'Keefe stepping up even more than what we've seen him do this entire season. Like he had a career year, but without Fieldsy, he's gonna be a guy who's gonna get his number called a ton to just create opportunities and and let that shot rip and just letting him kind of flow out there and be a leader on the offense along with Tom Schreiber. That's gonna be, I think, pivotal for the Archers. And then I think the other part is the the young boys on that short stick d Midi unit. Those guys are just as pivotal as Sis and Dobson, if not more, with how well they've played this year and how they've stepped up as rookies with no treasy. It's going to be fascinating to watch that rope unit. And, you know, I assume they're going to kind of run it back with Jalen Rogers filling in for, for treasy there, but... To see those two young bulls playing in a championship level environment is going to be something pivotal to watch, and how they perform, I think, will help res- you know determine the result uh, for the archers if they want to win. What are your What are your keys for the dogs to repeat as champions?
1: Contain Grant and Matt. Um, he's going to be back in Philly. Going to have a big section slow his day down, make it tough for him to create for everybody. He He's best when he can get some passes off and get his teammates rolling. Um, do something with sis at the stripe. Don't let him pretty much. Just don't let him win him forward. Like he's going to win. He's got to go backward and, he, and he's got to clear and give it up to somebody else. Um, Cause he's shown that he can score. So you can't really lock off and, and let him go one, one V one the entire time either um and then the, the last thing is transition force the archers to play fast in the middle of the field force them to to you know leave some offensive middies on and and really take advantage of those number situations
0: yeah um i think for me with the water dogs it's it's truly going to be the collective like unit calmness of like we've been here before we know what it takes to get it done let's do it again and perform the way we know we can and just the the attitude that they approach this game with Zach Courier is going to be a huge factor whether it's at the stripe or or just him being the unicorn that he is um he's going to have to step up and and be big time against sis who you know rookie of the year candidate face off athlete of the year candidate like he's He's going to win his. Courier's got to step up and be a disruptant and, and cause some some havoc at the Stripe to to make it a not-so-fun afternoon for Sis if the Dogs want to win. And then I do think it's, it's going to come down to the way that the Water Dogs ball movement occurs around this defense. Like, they're a big-body defense, but not in a way that, like, chaos are or, you know, the the whip snakes were back, you know, in 2019-2020. The archers are big, but they're like muscular, strong defensively across the board. So I think ball movement when you're in that zone and creating opportunities, creating space for your shooters between Kieran, Michael Sowers, Jack Hanna, Ethan Walker, you know, creating that space for them to get their hands free around that defense is going to be pivotal. And then three, you know, three A is trying your best to clamp Tom Schreiber. Can't let Tom get any space with his hands, otherwise he's going to make you pay. So that matchup of who they decide to deploy on Tom Schreiber on Sunday is going to be fascinating to watch to see how they adjust to it and how they learn from uh, the previous two matchups. But all in all, I think this game is going to be one for the books. It's going to be an all-time game as of now. Um, last one before we get to our picks. Is it another one-goal game?
1: Two. Two goals.
0: I think we get a one-score game. I think these two teams are very like evenly matched in a lot of areas, and it's just going to lead to a lot of back-and-forth. Very fun action. And I think it's going to be tough for either team to kind of go on a extended run like we've seen them do against other opponents. Um, so I think it's another one-score game. So, Deej, I think without any further ado, for one final time this PLL season, let's head on over to the pick pond and feed some ducks as it is the PLL Philadelphia Championship Pick of the Week powered by Trophy Smack. Your fantasy football leagues are underway. Fantasy baseball championships are coming up or have already occurred. And your PLL brackets have a chance to crown a winner potentially this weekend. What better way to celebrate and to commemorate than with our pals over at Trophy Smack. They've got trophies, belts, rings, turnover chains, metal wall art. They're the best in the game. Upgrade your Fantasy Smack Talk with our pals at Trophy Smack. Go to trophysmack.com slash underground and upgrade your Fantasy Smack Talk today. That's trophysmack.com slash underground to upgrade your Fantasy Smack Talk. Deej, for one final time this PLL season, it's Archers, it's Water Dogs, the one versus the three, the first-timers versus the defending champs, the ultimate Philly championship. And hopefully the ultimate jersey matchup as we brought up last episode with Zach and Wyatt. Uh, How do you see Dogs, Archers, Volume 3, the Philly Bowl going down? Who's hoisting that beautiful, beautiful trophy when the clock hits zero on Sunday?
1: It's hard to beat a team three times in a year. The Water Dogs are fantastic. They have everything that's needed to beat a team three times in a year.
0: Well, they wouldn't be beating a team three times because the Archers won the first matchup.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're ruining the whole
0: bit. could say it's hard to beat a team two times in a year, as evidenced (laughs) by these two teams.
1: Man, bro. I just want my bracket to be 100% correct. (laughs) I'm going with the Archers, man. He's Bozo, going with the
0: first-time champions. And I think we can both say this. I speak for D here. We'd be very happy with either team winning the championship. We've got homies on both teams that we'd want to see win, either running it back or winning for the very first time in the PLL. Um, Big-time OTB vibes in this championship game, from Grant Ament to Tom Schreiber uh, to Treasy to Connor Fields. Chris Bates, Ryan Ambler, Matt McMahon, Graham Hasek for the Archers, and then the Dogs, obviously you guys know Coach Copeland is our guy. Kieran, we have banged the drum for Kieran since day one. Michael Sowers is the homie. Liam Burns, Eli Goldbreck, Dylan Ward. The list goes on and on. It's a big OTB Bowl this Sunday. I don't, I'm simply going on gut feeling with this one. And as much as I'd love for my bracket to be correct, something just tells me Water Dogs are winning. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. Because I felt confident going into the playoffs that the Archers were going to win the championship. But after seeing the Dogs play the way they did in Boston, after seeing the Dogs play the way they did on Long Island... When you're hot you're hot and the dogs have been hot all year long we said it with wyatt they've been the quietest seven and three regular season team in pll history i gotta roll with the dogs in a very close one but like i said i'd be thrilled if the archers win because that's great for the league to get a first time original six team to win to take down the defending champions uh where these two teams will also see each other again in february at the championship series and if the water dogs win it's a repeat champion for the first time since 2019-2020 and it sandwiches chaos with that absolutely chaotic 2.8%, 3.2% uh season in 2021 between back-to-back champions. Um it's going to be an electric environment. I'm stoked that we're going to be there. If you're going to be in Philly, hit us up. We want to hang we want to see you guys if you're going to be in my city. In dj's adopted city so there it is we're just splitting ends to cover our bases i'm gonna go with the dogs dj's gonna go with the archers and we'll be happy either way and there is our pll philadelphia championship pick of the week powered by trophy smack the philly bowl for the crown in philadelphia in 2023 Deej, we got a Squire Sixes for the people. It's been a while since we've done one of these. It's brought to you by our pals over at Kenwood Beer, the official beer partner of Underground Sports Philadelphia. If you're in the city, you can get yourself a Kenwood Beer this weekend because it is in Philadelphia. It's made in Philadelphia. You can use the Kenny Finder at KenwoodBeer.com to see who's got it on tap in the Philadelphia area. In the Pittsburgh area and soon to be Maryland area, you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. I know Deej is going to have some Kennys when he gets here uh, and enjoy responsibly, of course. But, Deej, tell the people, Kenwood Beer is
1: the best beer on the planet. It's the only beer I drink. I don't drink beer, but I will, in fact, indulge in Kenny.
0: So there it is. Our boy Stephen McAvoy had his very first one on the Get in the Hole podcast when we delivered the goods for him uh, and said that it is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, So go to KenwoodBeer.com. Shout out to the Kenny boys. Um, But we got a Squire Sixes, and it is pretty simple. It's Philly. Squire Sixes, Philly edition, powered by Kenwood Beer. Deej and I are going to give our six things that scream Philly to us, which is going to be very fun to see how DJ's brain works versus mine. So Deej, I'll do the honors and give you the first pick to, uh, divulge into what is Philly.
1: Um, so as a, an adopted outsider, The number one thing you have to do when you go is hoagie, cheesesteak, et cetera. You put me on. Ishka Bibble's Del Sandro's was able to try those my very first year out. Loved them. And then you got me on Tony Luke. I I can taste the bacon, egg, and cheese that I get every time I go. I can (laughs) taste it right now. So good. So hoagie slash cheesesteak is number one. There are obviously a number of spots to go to, so I won't be throwing out any. But my personal favorites are Ishka Tony Luke, and, and Del Sandro's.
0: When they're back, I got to get you to Jim's. We both have to hit Angelo's. It's just difficult to mm. hit him because they don't have a phone. You have to go in person. You can't call ahead crazy it's very old school and there's a line it's Boncos, arguably best pizza and best cheesesteak in the city um so yeah cheesesteak and hobie's definite staple my number one pick uh is going to go uh to terminology to verbiage to slang it's john
1: i don't know if that originated there but i'll let you have
0: it john is philly through and through it's a verb it's a noun it's an adjective it's an adverb it's all of it what is a john it's anything you, you could say hit that john I'm going to the john you make a left turn right turn loop around a john it's a philly thing uh so i'm gonna go with john for my number one pick and then my wraparound pick it's gonna be more verbiage deejah go birds that is the ultimate it's broken through the seasonal barrier of verbiage anytime you hear go birds go birds is like the 1a to john where go birds can mean hello thank you goodbye go fuck yourself all of the above hold the door open at wawa go birds go birds is my number two pick
1: My number two was the place I stayed. The only time I've stayed here, because I haven't stayed in the hotel since I've been back the first time, the Bellevue. The Bellevue was...
0: It's a personal pick.
1: It was an interesting <laughs> stay. <laughs> it was an interesting stay. Um, but the, the experience was awesome. You could tell it was an historical place and... A lot of the original things were still there, set up right downtown. I mean, the town hall was literally I could walk out the front door and like do one of these. And I was like staring at this at City Hall. So like that was also awesome to see. And just the only bad thing about it was I felt like somebody was in my room with me <laughs> the entire time. And I was in a room by myself, <laughs> but I felt like there was someone else with me the entire time.
0: Your wraparound pick now after the Bellevue?
1: Oh, I'll have to say the sports complex. Kind of just everything, including Subaru, even though it's not like really right there. That setup is awesome. Being able to actually like walk around and have all those um, tailgates set up and everything, just the setup, everything down there. I've been in Lincoln financial. I've been in, in CP, uh, CPB, CBP. Wow. Don't say that fast. Cause it will not happen. Um, and just the atmosphere inside of, of those places is awesome. Like ours are a little too spread out here in Detroit, um, to make that kind of thing happen. Um, and they don't also have just giant parking lots outside of them either. Um, but I love that, that concept of of Philly.
0: Good pick. I love the sports complex. It is very, very fun. uh, No matter the time of year, my next pick, um, I'm going to go cultural. I'm going to go historical. Uh, What's more Philly than the Liberty bell. It's the birthplace of America It is a fixture uh, both historically and sportically with the Phillies obviously um and I think when you look at just like historical um pieces of art or like historical you know things in like our country's history the Liberty Bell is one of the cooler ones and um I was doing a little research too because you learn things about the Liberty Bell in school but you're too young to really process everything uh did you know Deej that the Liberty Bell was a Uh, symbol for uh, the freedom of of slaves and they used the liberty bell as kind of like a symbol to like push them forward to free themselves from slavery
1: no I didn't know
0: I had no clue but that's like something that you feel like you should learn in school but it's never taught to you and I was like
1: that's fascinating you know we I wouldn't need a real job if I got paid every time I said that Yes. (laughs) There's so many things I'm supposed to learn in school that I just don't. (laughs) I
0: want to pull it up because I I wrote it down because I was like, this is like something that should be taught all the time. And the fact that at age 29, almost 30, I'm learning about this for the first time is wild. Um misquote it um yeah so after american independence was secured the bell fell into relative obscurity until in the 1830s the bell was adopted as a symbol by abolitionist societies who dubbed it the liberty bell um and then right here i have it Uh, Anti-slavery groups who adopted it as a symbol of their cause coined its name the Liberty Bell in the early 19th century and after the Civil War the bell traveled across the country uh, in an effort to reunite the nation and since then many groups have used it as a symbol uh, of their struggles for liberty and equality. That feels like the absolute backstory along with it obviously being part of like the Pennsylvania state building and ringing when the declaration of independence is signed and everything that feels like a core piece of information. That is like an unbelievable piece of information that should be attributed to the Liberty bell. So there you go. There's everybody's history lesson with KB this week.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to say anything else. Cause I'm not going to get us canceled. <laughs>
0: Um my next pick is going to be I'm going to go Reading Terminal Market. That's another place I got to bring you. Uh it is like the largest fucking farmers market, flea market like where you can get groceries, unbelievable food like you can shop there it is like huge like one of the biggest in the country and it is just like the spot to go uh if you're like trying to get like unique and like good hearty food in philly outside of you know your typical cheesesteak but they do have great cheesesteak spots in there um reading terminal market is sick as hell and it's very philly because you're not going to get that anywhere else
1: My next pick is a two-parter. Meek Mill and Lil Uzi. (laughs) Not only do they produce nothing but bangers, but they're also like the two opposite sides of Philadelphia. Like you have people who listen to Meek Mill. They're just very certain kind of people. But then the other half of Philadelphia listens to Lil Uzi. And then when you mix those two together, it's exactly what happens when you mix those two crowds together. And it's fantastic. It's a parade inside our city. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ah, ah, ah,
0: ah. I just want to pot it. (laughs) Good pick. Good pick. I feel like also, this is not just because I'm from the area. I feel like the Philadelphia just like hip hop rap scene is always so underrated. Like, across the board. Not even just with Meek and Lil Uzi Vert, but, like, there's so many good artists that come out of Philadelphia that don't get the recognition, I think, that they should deserve. Um, So, yeah, great pick. Uh, Your your wraparound.
1: Wraparound. Wraparound pick. Don't steal my pick. Don't steal my pick. (laughs) So disrespectful. I was trying to do a moment of silence for a second. Oh. It's okay. It's okay. It's over now. RIP to the man. Kobe Bean Bryant. Obviously had to go on the list. Be- Bryant, me being lower Marion. I'm such a basketball guy. And the crossover between basketball and lacrosse. And he's one of those guys that like, I couldn't imagine him on a lacrosse field. Like that would be electric, but everything he means to the world. And then obviously to Philly going to lower Marion and everything like i can't talk about philly without put putting kobe on the list you didn't steal my pick
0: uh my next pick is also kind of a, a two-parter uh it's the art museum steps and the rocky statue very iconic obviously made even more iconic by 1976 is rocky uh it is the ultimate tourist thing to do is go run up the art museum steps or as everybody calls them the rocky steps um plus once you do that go in the art museum it's fucking awesome in there unbelievable pieces of art that you won't see anywhere else um and the rocky statue the fact that the city of philadelphia i feel like is the only city that could champion a fictional character the way that we do with Rocky Balboa is quite hilarious. Sylvester Stallone basically being Philly adopted um, because of Rocky is great. And I feel like Philadelphia is the only city that could ever flawlessly pull that off. Uh, And also to anybody coming in from out of state, don't put your favorite teams... Uh, jersey on the Rocky statue unless you want to see him lose but if they're playing the birds if they're playing the fills please go do it like I, I encourage that but I'm saying for all our PLL fans that may be coming in this weekend don't put an archers or dogs uh, jersey on the statue because it's not good it's not good for your squad so I'm gonna go art museum steps slash the Rocky statue because it is right outside the art museum steps uh, did your final pick
1: Wow. This is uh, an experience one, mostly for uh people who are coming into, but I mean if you live there or you're heading out, it's a good experience for you as well. The Philadelphia International Airport. <laughs> that is just Philly at its finest. Like every airport has its own little dealings like DTW here in Detroit like Luggage, the re- only real problem you have going on there. Everything else is very, very simple. Um, Chicago, like actually one of the smoothest airports I've ever been in, but its they're both like way out of the way and deal with a bunch of traffic. And nine times out of 10, somebody's running from the cops at the airport. Makes no sense. But you go to Philly and all hell breaks loose at the airport. It's just, it, it is a fucking shit show every time we're there. I, I don't. only recently for me bruh it is always a shit show when we go there I I don't know maybe it's me maybe I'm bringing the shit show when I get there maybe it's maybe but like it's such a fun experience at the same time like there's great food in there the people watching is at an all time high and then you get to get outside and see people like running after trams and running after shuttle buses Seeing people yell on the phone because they're like, "I don't see you. Where are you?
0: <laughs> Yo, where the fuck you at, bro?
1: <laughs> I wish I could do the accent well enough, but like, dude, it is. Fair. Bro, I'm outside. The I
0: got phone. the blinkers on. Like, fucking pull up. Bring the suitcase out. Let's fucking get the fuck out of here.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. And then you got cops like, tweet, tweet. go, get out of here. Loop around. Loop around. You heard me. Loop around. I don't care. That's
0: hilarious! Oh man, that's a bro. hilarious one. That is very uh, catered to your personal experience in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. which is why I said I'm intrigued by your list. Uh, my final pick is going to go to a place that is easily outside of sports. My favorite place to go in Philadelphia it is a hidden gem. It is one of the coolest, most unique places on Earth, and that is Graffiti Pier. It's an old abandoned, you know, shipping pier that has since been turned into a living art canvas that is graffitied all over the place. It is such a cool spot to go to. I have a photo that I took blown up from Graffiti Pier in the studio that I have to hang somewhere. Um, I'm working on us getting company photos taken there, uh, of everybody professionally done, which would be absolutely amazing. Um, Graffiti Pier is just one of the coolest spots, and if you're a big art fan, if you appreciate the art of graffiti, if you're a tattoo fan, Graffiti Pier is one of the coolest places uh, to visit. And, little Easter egg, I I don't think I've ever mentioned this, little Easter egg, photo I took at Graffiti Pier is on the Underground Sports Philadelphia hoodie at PHI Apparel Company, our uh, Hype Beast hoodie, the, the bar that is on the Underground a photo from graffiti pier that i took um i love graffiti pier like it's it's so hidden too and like it's only you're only allowed to go there legally when the sun is up um and it's just such a cool spot to walk around and uh just take in all of the unique artwork that uh gets put on display from walls to trees to the ground it's so cool uh so graffiti pier is my final pick did you have any honorable
1: mentions? Uh, the Kawhi Leonard shot. Come on, dog. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. It happened. That in wasn't Philly. even in Philly. Um, my bad, then. Never that was wrong. in Toronto because magnetic t- rims. I take that back then. I take that back. That, that was low blow. Low <laughs> I take blow. That back. No, I really only said that because I thought it it happened in Philly, and I was like, No. I mean, that is an iconic moment in basketball. Like, no, I don't know what it happened, happened there. About. That did not happen at all. I think AI crossed Jordan in a home game. I think that was a home game. Because that's definitely, definitely on the list. Oh, oh, I know it ain't originate there, but that's where I ran into it for the first time. Wawa on the list on the list. I don't care where it originated. I don't care where it's at in your city, in your state. None of that. Wawa's on the list. Uh, Wawa was founded
0: uh, in Folsom, Pennsylvania, which is close enough. Close enough.
1: I wouldn't uh, even care if it was four hours away. That's close enough.
0: Folsom, Folsom's, in good old Delco, bro. Ah, ah,
1: ha, ha. <laughs> interesting. I don't know if I want to be that tied to Delco. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: good honorable mention there. Uh, I have a couple. Uh, the Franklin Institute, one of the coolest museums out there. They bring all of the coolest, like out um like not typically there but like uh like event um type of things like they had the harry potter exhibit is the word i'm looking for they had the harry potter exhibit they had the marvel exhibit a few years ago they have the disney hundred year celebration one uh that either just happened or is happening um They had the King Tut exhibit when I was younger at the Franklin Institute. And, like, there's so much cool stuff that you can learn about, like, space and technology at the Franklin Institute. It's such a cool place. Such a fun, like, day trip um, that you can take when you're in Philly. Um, So, the Franklin Institute is definitely one for me. Another one. uh, I love your Wawa pick. Um, Another one for me is going to be... Oh. I'm going to go
1: with what? <laughs> Jason and Travis Kelsey played the cross? I think I knew that. I'm just going to go like live back under the rock I've been living under. Like Aiden Hutchinson, who else played the cross that I don't know played the cross? This is ridiculous. Um I just realized I just stopped the whole show. <laughs> well,
0: speaking of Philly, Jason Kelsey is Philly. Um, so that's a, a good <laughs> observation there. Uh I'm using this not as the mascot. I'm using this as a verb. But the grittiness of Philadelphia, the blue collar, the just like bring your lunch in a lunch pail, put your hard hat on, like kind of just like chip on your shoulder attitude that we have. I love that because it's like, don't piss me off, but if you're on my good side, we're going to love you forever. And you see that with athletes. You see that with just like friendships and it is, it is such a Philly thing through and through, um, That just the grittiness of the city of Philadelphia is what seeps through my veins every day of my life. Um, Also, I think Philadelphia has collectively the best mascots in sports. They definitely have number one. The Fanatic is undefeated. Gritty is a menace. Swoop is awesome. Franklin is an absolute chaotic good question mark mascot uh and then fang is is fang and Winston is amazing and his head spins 360 degrees that's scary <laughs> that's scary um so yeah there is our squire sixes this is all inspired because i was asked by the fine people over at the pll uh this week to cater my uh, my must-see, must-do things in Philadelphia, which is on the PLL Instagram, where I listed Graffiti Pier, the Liberty Bell, the Art Museum, and Rocky Statue. Love Park is obviously a good one. Go get that Instagram photo with that Love Park statue. Citizens Bank Park, shout out to the Fightin' Phils, Red October, around the corner. Philadelphia Zoo, first zoo in America. Did you know that, Deej? I did not first zoo in america um franklin institute south street is a must go to that's where gyms will be when it's rebuilt um but south street is just like along with broad street like two iconic places to just go there's like hundreds upon hundreds of shops restaurants bars things to do great concert venue that I'll be at next week seeing the homies the arkells um and then spruce street arbor park which we walked by last year Uh, down on Columbus Boulevard with all the hammocks and the neon lights Um, it's a seasonal spot it's only open during the summer months but it's a place that I definitely need to hit and seems like a a good old date night for you and your significant other Um, so if you need things to do in the Philly area hit my line I will let you know the things to do if you're in town coming from out of state out of the city uh, hit my line I'd love to to hook you up with the things to do in philadelphia but deej let's uh let's shift gears it's brought to you by tomahawk shades the best small batch eyewear in the game download the tomahawk shades app and just for downloading the app you can claim a free pair of sunglasses who doesn't love free when you fill up your cart go to checkout you can use promo code usp for 25 percent off your entire order at tomahawkshades.com that's 25 percent off at tomahawkshades.com code usp Let's talk some of the latest around the National Lacrosse League. Shout out to the boy, Blaze Reardon. Gets a two-year extension that effectively makes his contract four years through 2027. Last week, though, DJ was retirement. We told you guys, Blaze was not retiring. If you knew Blaze, you knew he wasn't retiring, you absolute buffoons. Um, Shout out to Big Blazer. He's a franchise cornerstone. I tweeted that. Um, Super stoked for him. He's been such a homie since day one. Of me covering the wings, and then obviously going into the PLL, and he's been a mainstay guest on this show. Um, and I'm just stoked that Blaze is going to be in Philly for the long haul, especially with you know some of the some of the boys getting traded this off season. It's nice to know that I'll I'll have some homies that are sticking around, and you know Blaze has made Philadelphia home, and you want to talk about a guy who embodies philadelphia even though he's not technically from here he is now hashtag from here and i'm stoked for blaze to to have a long-term spot with the philadelphia wings
1: i mean i didn't see him going anywhere else not because you know they had him on lock or anything but he had a really good year this year like he paced that at a scoring pace that was much better than the years he's been having recently and, and he fit into the offense well and they're really finally kind of putting together the roster that they want to go with for the next couple of years. So to see him sign for four years, um it should give a, a little bit of solace to not only him but to fans as well. Like hey he's gonna be here for a while. We trust this guy. He we think he has what it what it takes, you know, to be on a championship like roster. He's been on championship rosters in the past for you know lacrosse and in, in several uh points in his life so i think it's it's a great guy to have around and and he loves philly and and you can see it in in the way he acts way he talks the way he plays and it's a great spot for him and i'm excited to see if he can progress off the year that he had last year and and pacing and scoring wise and also just energy wise and and fun just the smile on his face during games before and after games is, is awesome.
0: Yeah. And this comes from a friend of the program, Adam Levy. Um, You know, I was tracking it late in the season when it was closing in on happening and then it did happen. Blaze is the all-time leading scorer in new wings history with 92 goals. He's going to hit a hundred this year, which is going to be awesome. Um, He's also one of three new wings players with 200 plus points. It's blaze. It's Kevin Crowley and Kyle Matisse. And obviously, Big Cat and and Kyle are no longer on the Wings roster uh, so that they kind of get paused with their uh, collective point total increasing but Blaze is going to be able to continue climbing the charts there for the Wings and he's a face of the franchise it's him and Rambo left from the original faces of this franchise back in 2018 now that Trevor's gone and uh, you know now that Kyle Matisse is with the New York Riptide so shout out to Big Blazer Um, the NLL Opening weekend games have started to uh, surface quite a bit. Um, NLL opening weekend, I want to pull these up because we have games on the docket. And the NLL tweeted earlier today as we record this on Thursday, we are set to announce a major innovation to league competition format along with the 2023-24 full schedule on Tuesday, September 26th at noon we got a tweet here Deej Now, this is not actual information this is all speculative from John Hoffman who I believe if I could be wrong I believe John either works or um founded the swarm it up website um which is a very useful tool that we use a ton on this show he tweeted It looks like there may be realignment as Georgia hosts Colorado on December 9th. Then on December 22nd, Colorado hosts Georgia. Presumably only teams in the same conference or division would play each other multiple times. Divisions projected. A Canada division of Toronto, Halifax, Saskatchewan, Calgary, and Vancouver. A Northeast division of New York, Albany, Buffalo, Rochester, and Philadelphia. And then a Southwest division of Georgia, Panther City, Colorado, Las Vegas, and San Diego. I think each team will play each other at least once. That would be 14 games. Leftover will be four games if the schedule is 18. That could then mean that there will be three five-team divisions with home and away in division. Um... We also have some of the opening weekend games announced so far for each team. Albany will open up uh, in Las Vegas to take on the Desert Dogs versus Fire in the ultimate Let's Start a Bonfire dog hmm. matchup. Um, Albany will also play in Philadelphia for the Wings home opener, a 1 o'clock start on December 16th. The Bandits will have their uh, ring ceremony and banner-raising ceremony on the 16th against San Diego at home. We don't have any games announced for Calgary just yet. Um, We have the two Mammoth-Georgia Swarm games for those two teams. Saskatchewan and Halifax in Halifax opening things up there. Uh, The Desert Dogs, we mentioned, will play Albany, and then they will also play Sunday, December 10th at 4 o'clock at Panther City. Nothing uh announced yet for the New York Riptide. The Wings will start their season, presumably. Um, unless they're playing opening weekend on December 9th in Toronto. Nothing announced for Rochester. The one game for the SEALs is Buffalo. One game for Saskatchewan is Halifax. One game for Toronto is the Wings and then nothing for Vancouver. So not too much announced just yet, but Deej, how do you feel if there is realignment on the horizon and those projected divisions?
1: I am I mean, it doesn't change anything for me except make it easier for me to understand what's going on, who's playing who. And I think I also like it more for a uh, playoff breakdown. Like, you know however many teams you're going to put in the playoff it's this many from each from each team and then whoever has the best record like it just it just putting it into divisions kind of just solidifies how things will go and just make things easier to follow and I think that's like the toughest thing about lacrosse for like new fans or like the the average person to, uh, to get into is to understand everything else that goes into it like Basketball is simple. Win loss record and then it goes to head to head after that. Like and everybody has that concept. Same thing with football. Like the easier you can make all of the extra concepts of the game, the more likely you are to get people into it, splitting into three divisions will just make the the playoff uh playoff system format. and format more. Thank you system and format more streamlined than what it is now
0: yeah because then it would essentially be top two teams i'd think from each division then you'd get two wild cards which would be the best remaining which would be pretty cool i don't like the wings and buffalo being the same division but that's just me (laughs) um but it does make sense like yes philly and georgia is definitely a rivalry but georgia being in the east never really made sense to me Yes, they're on the east coast but they are a southern team and we've always talked about this whenever we like speculated that a uh, an expansion team could be coming in where they'd come in realigning to four conference like four divisions um and having like north south east west or something like that and we mm-hmm. always move georgia and panther city in the same division it's like oh let's put nashville in and stuff like that so i think that is a cool move there to to put georgia panther city Stuff like that makes it a lot easier. There's always been the rumors, I think, even going back to your first season hosting and even the year before that of a Canadian division, especially when the Alterna Cup stuff was happening. It's like, oh, like that makes a ton of sense. Um, makes travel a lot easier for guys, especially if they're playing in Canada. Um, so Canadian division would be very fun and very competitive. And uh, I think there'd be added juice there from the fans. It's like, oh, we want to be the kings of Canada so there you go um
1: gotta bring the alternative back
0: yeah that was my first thing when i saw this tweet too was like oh are they gonna do like an in-season tournament mm-hmm. type of thing bring like the nba is doing and certain games or tournament games or whatever it may be but then the realignment thing would be great i, I think it makes sense You know, I think it makes things easier. It streamlines each division easier and it makes expansion easier, in my opinion, Um, whenever that time comes again for the NLL to expand. Um, But I think three divisions, five teams each makes way more sense than having basically conferences and then everything loaded up there. Plus, you know, before, what was it? Panther City, when they came into the league, was when it flipped from divisions to conferences because we had divisions the first year of the pod. It was Mm -hmm. the West Division was San Diego, Calgary, Saskatchewan, Vancouver, and Colorado. And then you had the North Division, which was Toronto, Old Rochester, which then became Halifax, Buffalo, and... who's the other team up there i'm blanking i'm blanking i'm pulling up the thing here uh the old north division was buffalo toronto rochester and i think halifax When they came through, I forget what the breakdown was before, like the new Rochester Nighthawks came in because then it was the wings, the swarm at the time, the Black Wolves and then the Riptide came in and then Albany happened and it shook everything up. Um, let me actually see. what that looked like in 2019 because now i'm like we're so far removed from that (laughs) that i don't even remember what the breakdown was um okay so it was still kind of conferences then in 2019 it was buffalo georgia toronto new england rochester philly and then the west was saskatchewan san diego calgary colorado vancouver and then it was like top four teams from each made it in because it was kind of almost evenly split and it made sense for that to occur. I um, wonder what it was the year before. I don't remember because I wasn't covering the NLL then, so... Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is smart. It makes a lot more sense. Like you said, it streamlines things. It makes it easier to kind of calculate how things will will go for the playoffs and new rivalries can get formed. I talked about that on Guzman's Gridiron, our Vineland High School Football Coaches show this past week, where Vineland's got like a new era rivalry with a school around here that isn't your traditional rivalry that still exists, but you get these new school rivalries when you start playing new teams. And like, who doesn't love a good rivalry? Like... The fact that we get to see Zed Williams and Lyle Thompson play against each other twice a year, if not three times a year now, is going to be super, super fun.
1: That'd be fire. I'm here for it. Line me up. Put me on a stretcher, (laughs) because I probably won't be breathing at the end.
0: I'm dead. (laughs) So are you.
1: That was a good one.
0: That was a good one. Well played. Well played. Um, So, yeah. The other on bit that of, note, <laughs> the, the last bit of NLL news, the Saskatchewan Rush uh, did a little logo rebrand. Looks very, very cool. Um, I, I like both of the ways that the logos look. They're kind of like uh score logo is very clean. It's, a, it's an R with uh, a bison horn. And then the new one, I did laugh at Jerry Raganese's tweet. He said it looked like an IPA logo um but i like it i th- i think it's clean it's a new look for them um they're also going to be playing uh at the moose jaw events center on black friday which i don't know if that's yeah it's a preseason game um what a name yeah or i'm sorry it's on the saturday so it's on small business saturday not black friday but um I like it. I, I think it looks super clean. The The mascot logo itself, the details in it. That's how you utilize a lacrosse stick in a logo. Um, very well done. Deej, on a scale of one to 10 logo rankings, how do you have the new Rush logo?
1: It's a solid like eight, eight and a half for me. Like it's got color. It's got like nice animation. It pops out. It's new. It's different. Um, it's just green. I'm not a big outside of the woods. I'm not a big green fan. Like, I guess the Packers. Outside of those two teams, like I'm not a big green. As fan. you sit here wearing <laughs> a green hat, a green hey, shirt. This right here is for the boy Liam. I had to support, and there's really not too much green in this. Like, you got to actually be looking at me to know this is green. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I can pass with this. I'll allow it. Um, yeah, I'm giving it like an
0: 8.4. I like it. It's clean. It's new. Um, and I, I think the only thing that like I wish was a little different was just like the back banner with the way that Rush is displayed on it. Not sure how I feel about it, but I love the Bison logo. I think it's very cool. Very clean new look. Um, would definitely rock that on a hat or shirt. Like that's, that's big time when it comes to drip and new logos and everything is, it needs to be wearable. Um, and it certainly is wearable to the fullest extent. So big ups to the Saskatchewan rush. Love the new logo. Would love to, would love to rep it. Would love to rock it. Uh, I do wonder what it means for their, uh, their bulldog mascot though.
1: Um, I gotta find somewhere else to go. New you know, house to go. Of silence. No, he probably got a new house. He can go though. Yeah. Huh? A preemptive moment of silence.
0: All right, everybody, bow your heads. Um, let's take this moment here to remember a very cool, very swaggy mascot. All right, thank you. Um, so yeah, shout out to the rush. Let us know in the YouTube comment section how you feel about the new logo. We will see you in Philly at Subaru Park on Sunday. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be one for the books. It's either going to be a first-time champ or a defending champ being crowned PLL champion. Make sure you guys are following us on the socials at OTB LaxPod, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Threads. Facebook.com slash underground sports PHI. Follow Dij on Twitter at SCS underscore next great. Follow me at KBIZZL311 subscribe to the podcast on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcast leave a five star rating and review it goes a long way for helping the show continue to grow helps more people find underground sports philadelphia as a whole and subscribe to the youtube channel youtube.com slash at underground sports philadelphia get us to 600 subscribers before the clock hit zero in the championship game we need 51 more of you to come through for the boy subscribe 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 and of course, get your merch, phiapparel.co, code underground, 10% off any and all merch orders. This has been episode number 293 of the allegedly award-nominated, honorably mentioned, number nine NCAA-ranked, and of course, viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box Podcast, the official lacrosse podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. We'll see you in Philly. But until then, we're getting the heck up out of here, and we are signing off.
1: Peace. Peace. You want to go. And that's outside the box.